0: Hey everyone, Adam Stock from Elite Fantasy Basketball here. I'm going to do something a little different today. Usually I use my pods to do some box score analysis, but this pod is going to focus on the week ahead instead. I'm not getting into scheduling. That analysis is on the site, but I do want to do some very quick hitters on each team. This pod is going to focus on fantasy situations to watch this week, and we're going to go through all 30 teams. We'll go division by division, and we'll start with the Atlantic and the Nets. This will be a big week for Nick Claxton. We're going to get two big questions answered. He's Brooklyn's best option at the five, but does Steve Nash agree? And if he does, does he have the guts to sit one of DJ or Blake in favor of Claxton? I think the answer to the first one is yes. I do trust Nash on this one, but I'm not sure about the second one. As we know with Brooklyn, politics plays into this. I would hold Claxton for a few games to see how this shakes out. I wouldn't expect big minutes, but as long as he's close to 20, he'll continue to be worth the stash unless you're in a real tough battle for the playoffs. We should watch Blake too, but I don't have high hopes there. It wasn't a question of opportunity in Detroit. He just looked washed up. Watch him, but I wouldn't be grabbing him outside of very deep leagues. One last quick note on the Nets. This is probably going to be a tough week for Kyrie owners. The Nets only play three games, and two of those games are part of a back-to-back set. Kyrie didn't play in both games during the Nets' two most recent back-to-back sets, so this is probably going to be a two-game week for him. With the Celtics, Time Lord is obviously the big story. With Tristan Thompson still in COVID protocol, I'm sure Time Lord is going to be a monster again this week. I feel bad for his opponents. He needs to be owned in 100% of leagues. I don't care if you're playing a 16 get him on your roster. Of all the exciting young players popping up, Time Lord is the one that is most likely to be a league winner. Moses Brown and KPJ are nice, but they're not Time Lord. The trade deadline is going to be a really big deal for him as well because if Thompson has moved Tom Lord is probably going to be a top 40 player at worst. Keep an eye on Daniel Tice as well. I know he struggled lately, but we know that he can be a mid-round player when he pl- plays well. If Thompson is moved at the deadline, Tice should be grabbed in standard leagues because he'll probably play minutes in the mid-20s. And as we've seen with that much run, he has about top 80 potential. And he's probably going to settle in as like a top 110-ish guy at worst if his role is that big. Next up is the Knicks. The point guards will likely be back this week, so we'll see how that affects the backcourt rotation. Alec. Burks and Reggie Bullock have been pre- playing really well lately but I'm not sure that their strong play is going to lead to any extra minutes. Thibs still loves him some Alfred Payton and that caps the, both players upside. For now both players are just streamers outside of maybe 16 team leagues. We should also know by the end of the week whether or not Nerlens Noel has a chance to hold on to low and standard li- league value. He hasn't been as good on a permanent basis this season with the Knicks as he was in OKC so minutes in the high teens won't cut it like they did last year he needs to stay in the low 20s 20 to 22 will probably get him around the top 115 maybe top 100 if he plays well in nine cat and eight cat it's probably just going to be low end either way we'll also have to keep an eye on Mitch Robb's minutes I'm not too worried I was a little worried before the break because Noel was pretty, playing very well and the Knicks were playing pretty good too but with how Noel has fallen off after the break I would still expect Mitch Robb to go back to his normal 26 to 27 There's not much to watch for when it comes to the Sixers. We know what their rotation looks like with Embiid out. Stream Thibel for defensive numbers, stream Dwight for big man numbers, and maybe even stream Shake for points. I say maybe because he's been pretty useless this year. His three ball is gone and that's really killed his value. Danny Green is not a stream. He is a strong pickup and a hold in all leagues. Green is getting some extra run with Embiid out and has been producing mid-round numbers for a good month now. I doubt he maintains that level of production all year because it's Danny. We know he's inconsistent, but he needs to be owned until he cools down. With the Raptors, it's all about the trade deadline. Their rotation is boring as heck at the moment, which is good for fantasy. We like boring and predictable. They have a very good top six. They're all good to great players in fantasy and real life. And then they have probably the worst 7-12 to 12 in the league. There hasn't been too much Lowry smoke. It's been here and there, but that doesn't sound super likely. But it does sound like there's a decent chance that Norman Powell is moved. He can opt out this summer, and given how well he's played and how much cap space is out there, the man is going to get paid. It doesn't sound like the Raptors are super gung-ho to be the team paying him, so he could be moved. A move would likely be terrible for his value, as there are not many decent teams out there who would give him a role as big as the Raptors currently are giving him. We'll move on to the Central and the Cavs. There's nothing too interesting going on with the Cavs. We know who's useful and who isn't. I'll say two things about the team, though. The first is pick up Nance. He's still available in 35% of Yahoo leagues, so grab him if your league is one of those leagues. The second is try to trade Sexton for a true mid-round player. He's only been a top 100-ish player this year, but he has more trade value than that because fantasy players overvalue points. If you can get a true mid-round guy for him, that's a steal. At this point in his career, Sexton's game is just not fantasy friendly enough for him to be all that useful. On nights when his shot is not following, which has been pretty often lately, he's just a low-end guy. Next up is the Bulls. There's been some lorry trade rumors because it's unclear if the Bulls want to pay him, so we'll need to watch for that. A trade would be bad for his value as he's probably not going to be the second option anywhere else. We need to cross our fingers that that stays put as well. He's in a dream spot, but if a contender comes calling, his role is likely going to shrink considerably. Sato over White is likely sticking, but we need to see how the minutes distribution plays out. If Sato is going to continue to be a 30-plus minute per game guy, he's a standard league guy. If that drops to 27 or so, he's going to just be for 14 team leagues. White is just a deep league guy at this point and pretty useless outside of punt field goal percentage or punt steals. Carter Jr. seems stuck in a low 20s role. At this point, it's not really a question of whether he's a 12-team guy. He's not. More so, we are watching him to see if he can stay above the streaming line in 14-team leagues. That may seem harsh, but he's only been a top 200 player since the move to the bench. The Pistons are kind of interesting. Do we see Diallo this week? Maybe not, but it will be interesting to see how he impacts Josh Jackson and Sadiq Bay when he is in there. He'll take some of Jackson minutes, and he'll probably take some shots away from Bay. Speaking of Bay, Bay himself is worth watching closely. He's hot again, but I'm not sure that that's going to last. He's an inefficient rookie who doesn't do anything besides score and hit threes. And those guys usually don't end up being more than low end. For me, he's just a flyer in standard leagues for now. Maybe that will change. But due to the nature of his game, he's a hard player to trust. Isaiah Stewart should be owned in standard leagues with his minutes trending up. I'm not sure we're going to get a full changing of the guard with Plumdog just yet, but things are definitely trending in Stewart's direction. He's been around 25 minutes the last three games. I don't think he has early round potential or anything, but in builds like punt points, punt assists, or punt threes, Stewart could definitely be a mid-round player down the stretch. With the Pistons having two five-game weeks late in the year, he's one of my favorite flyers. For the Pacers, we're watching Levert's usage. His usage rate is sitting at only 22.9% with the Pacers. If it stays that low, he's probably not going to be a top 100 guy. Levert is very dependent on usage to generate value and likely needs a usage rate in the high 20s at least to survive. In Brooklyn, he was only top 80 despite having a usage rate of th- over 30%. Of course, we also have to watch TJ McConnell. Was Friday night's big game a fluke? We'll find out this week. I do still lean towards him being just low end going forward. The first three games with Levert were very discouraging. McConnell's potential assists dropped for about 40% and his minutes were down. If you have an open spot in standard, sure, pick him up. Just give him a game or two. There's no real downside to that. In 14, I in 16, I would hold for now. But again, I'm not that hopeful. On the Bucks, the player to watch is Dante DiVincenzo. They don't have a backup point guard at the moment, so he's going to get some extra creation duties and minutes. Pick him up and see what happens. I think they'll bring in another PG at some point, but we'll deal with that when it happens. P.J. Tucker is going to come in, but I don't think he's going to have much of a fantasy impact. He'll knock Bobby Portis out of the standard league conversation, but that's about it. Tucker is pretty unlikely to hold any value outside of extremely deep leagues himself. Next up is the Southeast. We'll start with the Hawks. DeAndre Hunter will be back this week. He's a pickup in all leagues. I'm not sure he's going to continue to be top 60 because he was shooting over 60% from two, which is unsustainable, but the top 100 is likely, so he needs to be scooped up. We need to keep an eye on how Hunter's return impacts Gallo. Gallo needs to be held in all leagues at the moment. His minutes and level player are up, and if Collins is moved at the deadline, he could be a top 50 player. We also need to keep an eye on Bogdanovich's minutes as well. He's played Close to 30 in his last couple games, and if he continues to play that much, he's going to be worth grabbing in 14 team leagues. I don't think he's going to get enough usage and touches to be a 12-team league guy. He's not a guy that generates a ton of value when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, and when you play with Trey Young, that's an issue. Cody Zeller is out for the Hornets, so P.J. Washington is going to get a lot more center minutes. That's great news because his block rate literally quadruples when Zeller sits. We want to cheer for the Hornets to do well this week so that they finally commit to Washington at the five. He's a mid-round player either way, but his upside does go up a couple rounds when he's playing at the 5. Devontae Graham's minutes are going to ramp up this week, and we'll see how that impacts LaMelo. I doubt he takes too many more minutes from LaMelo, but if LaMelo drops from about 31 a night, which he's playing these days, to about 29, that's going to take a round or so off his value. Miles Bridges will get more run this week with Zeller out, but he's not too interesting. He's just a 12-team streamer and a solid 14-team league guy. Rosier also got dinged up last night. It seems like he has a hip issue, so we'll see where that goes. If he does have to miss time, then that saves Devonta Graham. Devonta Graham will be a pickup in all leagues if that happens. And Malik Mug probably becomes a pretty solid streamer and a deep league option in that scenario as well. With the heat, we have to watch how Ariza's Increasing minutes impacts Nick, I don't think is going to hold value himself, but he could kill KO. I'd hold Nick for now, but I'm not hopeful. There's not much going on in the Heat backcourt. I expect none will continue to get phased out. And dragage and Hero will continue to be 14-team level guys who get treated like 12-team level guys by most fantasy owners. With Orlando, it's all about the deadline. Do they blow it up? I don't think Vooch is getting moved, but Aaron Gordon could. I'm not sure that counts as blowing it up because Gordon has been pretty bad this year, but that would signal that the Magic are giving up on the air. If you own Vooch, I would consider selling him. The Magic aren't close to the second play-in spot at the moment, and they have an insanely difficult schedule coming up. They may only pick up one or two wins over the next couple weeks. It's not a lock that Vooch gets shut down late, but the Magic are going to be bad enough where all it will take is a little ding to end his season. So the question is, do you want to bet your season on whether or not Vucevic picks up a minor injury at the end of April? I probably wouldn't. Our last Eastern Conference team is the Wizards, who are not interesting at all. Beal is great. Westbrook can't hit a free throw to save his life at this point, but he's playing awesome besides that. The only other mildly interesting guy is Hachimura, and with him we need to watch the minutes. His game isn't fantasy-friendly enough to make him a standard league guy in a 30-32 minute per game role, but if he's going to play 36 or 37 like he has been lately, then yeah, he probably gets to the standard league. Rui is fine to add, but I don't see him as a high upside option even in a big role. Our first team in the West is the Wolves. Malik Beasley is back Saturday, so we'll have to see how his return impacts Edwards and Rubio. It is almost certainly going to hurt Edwards since Edwards is super dependent on usage, and Beasley is a fairly high usage player. His usage rate is in the mid-20s, which is high. I would be selling the Rook unless I was punting field goal percentage. He's been super hot from the floor, super hot from three lately, and I don't think that's going to last given what he did in college and given what he did. Really, just before this recent stretch. Rubio is also going to take a hit. He should still start, but if you look at his game log, he was pretty mediocre when Beasley was active. You can't really sell him, but so you'll just have to hope that he gives you another couple decent weeks. McDaniels is starting now, but I'm not too interested at the moment. He's only been a top 300 per minute player this year and probably won't play enough to be more than a low end blocks option. The Thunder are the most interesting team in the league at the moment. We should all, including Horford owners, be hoping for a Horford trade. It's not likely due to his contract, but if it does happen, it would save Horford's late-season value and turn Moses Brown into a monster. For now, Brown needs to be owned for his late-season upside. Roby is more of a 14-team league player right now, but I don't hate him in 12 if, if the punting build is right or the matchup is right. I'm watching Poku, but I'm not hopeful. He's super fun. He's super toolsy, but he's just not that good right now. His permanent numbers are terrible outside of blocks and boards. I could see him being somewhat useful in punt field goal percentage in deeper settings, but that field goal percentage is really going to hold him back outside of that build, even if he plays a lot. Don't sleep on Ty Jerome. Uh, Maladin and SGA are beat up, and there are going to be a lot of minutes available for him right now. I would add him 14. In 12, he's just a streamer for now, but that could change. He's been playing a lot better than Maladin lately. With the Blazers, it doesn't sound like Nurk's going to be back this week, so we just have to watch CJ's minutes and what happens to Trent once McCollum gets into the 30s. Trent's minutes have been pretty good since McCollum has come back, but that's just because CJ has been limited. I still think it's fine to drop Trent in 12. If you look at his numbers when CJ was healthy earlier in the season, they were terrible. He wasn't even a quality deeply guy. As usual, there's nothing interesting going on with the Jazz. The only thing I'll say is hold Ingles. He's been a top 100-ish guy for a while despite the lowish minutes. Maybe that changes, but he's been playing above the streaming line even when Conley has been active. With the Warriors, Jordan Poole is really the only interesting guy right now. Wiseman will probably be back this week, but I think his defense is too bad at this point for his minutes to get out of the low to mid-20s. And with that much run, he's just a boring back-end guy. Can Poole keep it up? I doubt it. He's obviously improved, but he's hitting over half his shots right now. And we're talking about a guy who shot 33.3% as a rookie. I grab in 14, but in 12, he's just a streamer. Next up is the LA teams. We'll start with the Clips. Ibaka will probably be back sometime this week. We don't have a lot of clarity there, but I would guess that he will. So we'll need to watch how the center minutes split when he is active. If Zubak's recent strong play earns him even three or four more minutes a night, he could be top 100. I would be picking him up to see what happens. If the Clippers continue to play it safe with Ibaka, and they might, given his injury and his age, Ibaka could turn into a 12-team drop and 14 I would definitely be holding. Normally I'd hold on to a guy like Ibaka who's been around the top 100-ish all year, but with the Clippers' bad playoff schedule, you're probably going to be dropping him week one of the playoffs anyways, so I wouldn't get too attached, especially if there's a high upside option out there. Keep an eye on Batum as well. He's been terrible since the concussion, but as we've seen, there's mid-round upside there. If there's signs that it looks like he's about to turn it around, I would pick him up. With LeBron down, Kuzma and Schroeder are no-brainer pickups. Both could be top 100 in the short term. Their roles are pretty predictable. THT is the guy to keep an eye on because he'll get a bump, but it's hard to say how much. If he's only playing 25, then he's just going to be low end. But if he can get close to 30, he'll be a nice source of points, steals, and low end dimes. And in that case, he'd be a solid 12-team pickup. I don't mind him as a flyer. In deeper settings, Caruso is nice if you need steals. He's not going to do much else, but he will give you a steal or two a game. Our last specific division team is the Kings. The Kings' current rotation isn't that interesting. Halliburton is going to play more with Bagley out, that's obvious. Really, we're just watching Whiteside, and I don't mind him as a pre-deadline stash. It seems like there's demand for him, and if he can land even a 22-minute roll somewhere, he'll have major, major upside. We'll go to the Mavs first in the Southwest. With the Mavs, we want to watch Kleba's minutes. He's been over 30 minutes most nights lately, and if that sticks, he'll be a standard league guy. I don't... Personally, I think he's already a pickup, although we do need a swast to wake up if he starts doing what he's done in the past in blocks. At this level of minutes, he could be a mid-round guy. Brunson seems to have fallen out of favor, so he is fine to drop. j Rich has had a couple stinkers lately, but I'd hold on just because he's been pretty good lately, and the minutes have been really big. Even last game when he only had four points and six rebounds, he played 36 minutes. In a 30-minute role, he's not going to be useful, but it's like kleba If he's just playing a million minutes a night, you got to pick him up. Next up is the Rockets. This is a huge week for KPJ owners. We need that depot trade. KPJ loses a fair amount of value unless depot is moved. Wall is a bigger. Issue than Depot since Wall moves KPJ off the ball more. But if Depot is playing every other game late in the year, that's really going to hurt KPJ. We also need to see if KPJ can produce when both Wall and Depot are in there. Uh, the first game he only played ten minutes before getting hurt. That's not a big enough sample size to read too much into it. It didn't look good, but it's still ten minutes, so I wouldn't be panicking yet. We also need to keep an eye on Kenyon Martin Jr.'s role. He only played twenty with Wood and both the guards back. He's a drop if he continues to play that much, but he's a nice flyer in twelve for. His boards and blocks if it looks like his minutes can get back up close to 30. When it comes to the Grizzlies, I'm not sure a week of games ever tells us that much. Jenkins messes with his rotation way too much for us to ever get comfortable. Melton is always worth a watch, but we've seen no signs that he's about to play more than 20. i definitely hold him because he's been producing top 100 numbers in 20 minutes, but I don't think he's going to get 25 and start dominating fantasy leagues. I'd also watch Kyle Anderson. His minutes have been up and down lately. In my opinion, he's getting dropped in too many leagues right now. He's still having a lot of games where he's close to 30 minutes a night. And given how good he's been this year, he deserves more leash. With the Pelicans, keep watching Naw. If Lonzo or Bledsoe are moved at the deadline, he'll be worth picking up for his points, threes, and steals. His permanent numbers in all three categories, especially steals, are very solid. Drop Bledsoe, if you haven't already, I have no idea why he's still owned in 68% of Yahoo Leagues. He's been outside of the top 200 all year and has not been trending up at all. If his name wasn't Eric Bledsoe, he'd be owned in 2% of Leagues. Our last team is the Spurs. Can Keldon keep it up? That's the big question. I'm pretty skeptical since he's only been a top 200 player over the last couple months. I don't hate taking a flyer on him, given how nice he looked last game, but I wouldn't drop anyone safe for him. Outside of the first month of the season, he's been pretty useless for a while. The nice defensive numbers that powered that early season run, that was never sustainable. He put up some very poor steals and blocks numbers in college, and college and steal, Block rate usually translate to the pros. So if you didn't get steals and blocks in college, you're probably not going to get it in the pros, which we've seen lately from Johnson. I just don't think those numbers are coming back. And unless he starts putting up respectable numbers in steals and blocks, probably just going to be low end at best. And that's all we got. If you haven't already, smash that subscribe button, and you'll want to keep an eye on my Twitter as well at the trade deadline. Adam G Stock is the handle. I'll be blasting out plenty of analysis on deadline day, and I'll try not to spam you with other stuff.